Sometimes in life we just suffer. Sometimes it's from being totally withdrawn. Or so much stress that we are totally anxious. Or so tired that we are totally burnt out. But our current position is not our final destination. No, indeed. There's hope. So whether it's your personal life, your career, your relationship, your business, or your job, we say there's reason to believe again. And we present from Andy's personal development, the breakout room. It's the place for health, happiness, and prosperity. Stay tuned for more. Okay, so we are live on Andy's personal development in the breakout room. And our special guest today is Limo Bergman. Gross, and she has a lot of nuggets, wonderful information to share with our audience today, coming live all the way in Israel. So without further ado, I would like to introduce our guest, Limo, and she would tell us a little bit about herself before we get into a very informative and valuable conversation. Limo, welcome to the show. Tell us a bit about yourself. How are you doing today? Hi, Andy. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. And I don't know if you noticed, but we matched the colors today. It was yeah. unintentional, but we matched colors. Alignment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. It's a good... Yes. Yeah, so, um, so I live in Israel, as you mentioned, hmm? and I am married and I have four children. Uh-huh. All of them are born in May. Okay. Between May 20th to May 30th. So within 10 days, uh-huh. we have a lot of celebrations. It's quite intense. Wow. Uh, just celebrated my twin's birthday on Saturday, and my daughter's birthday is tomorrow on the 23rd. She's going to be 19. Okay. Was that planned uh, or it just happened that it turned out that way? I guess that's how my body works <laughs> on the clock. Okay, great. <laughs> very, very yeah. punctual. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing. That's all good. So a lot of celebrations. <laughs> wow. Things to look forward to, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, go ahead. Tell us. Is there a special meaning to your name, Limo? What does it stand for? So, Li is for me. More is a scent. Oh, okay. So, more. uh, Like scent for me. Yeah. Perfumery. Sounds good. Yeah. Quite unusual, but hey, nevertheless. In Israel, actually, it's not an unusual name. Uh Uh, It's not super common. But it's relatively common. All right. I hear you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, Limo, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, Probably when you were growing up as a young lady, what life was like. It basically is the creation of the foundation for where you are at today. Yeah? 
How far yeah. can you go and recall growing up as a young lady? How far? Um, I mean, I recall even um, elementary, I would say. Uh-huh. Elementary school. I think that's how far back I can recall. Okay. You want to go that far? <laughs> as far back as you can go. Let's make it more interesting. Yeah. So... Grew up in a middle-class family, and I was very shy and introverted as a child. I still consider myself more on the introverted side, but I opened up throughout the years and gained more confidence. But I was very, very shy and very obedient, I would say. Did what my parents told me and also what my teachers told me. So teachers loved me. Uh, because I studied, I did everything they asked for. I was a good student. Mm. Yeah. Great. So what made you decide to get into engineering? And, and, and what was the nature of engineering that you were involved in uh, for over 20 years? Yeah. So it happened, actually, um, what happened was that high school, in high school, there are not as many options as there are today. So you had to choose whether you go to STEM-related path or to more humanities-related path. And I chose STEM because I was very good at math. It came kind of easy to me. So that's what I did. The challenge with that was it kind of classified you. Mm. That's the part I don't like. I'm looking backwards and kind of classified you. Okay, that's what you can do, basically. Exact science, anything that is related to STEM. And that's kind of led to what I decided eventually doing. I was good at math, physics, chemistry. That were were my majors in high school. And I took a stint of programming in high school. And and, uh, after high school, I, I went to the military. And after the military service, I decided to go and study computer science because I figured it will kind of match my skills and it will be a good profession. I can earn good living. Yeah, makes sense. Very pragmatic decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's what I did. Okay. I, I remember the first day, till this day, it was so traumatic, going to the university in the morning. It was an 8 a.m. class, going to an auditorium of 400 students. I think 99% were men. Wow. There are very few women. Okay. Yeah, it was very intimidating. All right. The first year uh, was hard. Ah, yeah. Was that in Israel? Yeah, it was in Israel, in Tel Aviv University. The first year, the thing is that the getting accepted to university was not enough. Okay. Uh, this, the way it worked, and I don't know if it's relevant still today, they accepted you based on your grades in high school and like something equivalent to an SAT that we do here in Israel. But you had to excel in the first year. Otherwise, you cannot continue, which added to the stress levels, right? I mean, okay, I got accepted. Now I have to really excel so I can continue learning. And I can share that uh, I didn't have enough good enough grades that I have to take a summer semester in order to compensate eventually because I was determined that that's what I'm going to do. So I said, like, nothing is going to stop me, basically. Uh, but it was hard. It was very stressful. I did a summer semester and I continue on and eventually graduated. 
Wonderful. Thanks for sharing. So it says here that you became a mentor for women mm -hmm. like the past five years or so. Yeah. How did you adopt that role and, and what level or type of mentorship did you end up providing for these women? Yeah. So you kind of, uh, we fast forward many years uh, yeah. from where I stopped. Uh, eventually, I, I grew a career in software engineering, started as an engineer and advanced to a manager and, and later to a director of engineering. And uh, I guess part of a manager's job is also to be a mentor to people that you uh, this report to me. So it kind of came naturally to me. When I started mentoring, I was already an established engineering manager with like over 10 years of experience. So the mentorship was mostly around communication, leadership, management related challenges, mostly around influencing people, handling conflicts, and uh, letting someone go, hiring practices, anything related to management. Oh, I get it. Okay, great. So you said that as a mentor for women, was mm -hmm. that based on what you had discussed or shared with us earlier with regards to the situation at the university? And you said it was 98% men and the rest were women. Did that somehow impact upon the decision you making uh, to be a mentor for women per se? Yeah, so I'll just clarify that today I coach, I mainly coach, and yeah. I can explain the difference. Uh, and I coach both men and women. Right. My passion, though, and like, like my mission, I feel yeah. like that's a mission of, and why I do what I do, is to make a difference and to help more women excel and get to executive roles. And the reason for that was my own journey. Yes. My own journey, uh, being a woman, working in a very male-dominated field and having facing challenges that I want to help others. I want to help other women because we should, I want to see more women. I want to see more women in, in leadership roles, in executive roles. Um, so that's kind of my motivation. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing, Limo. Now, you, you spent approximately nine years in the U.S., yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, what made you decide to leave the U.S. and come back to Israel. Yeah, so that was, I'll share that it was one of the hardest decisions uh -huh. that we have ever made, me and my husband. It was a mutual decision. There were many reasons. So first of all, uh, we never intended to go and spend nine years in the US. When we moved to the US, it was the end of 2010. My twins that, are that were 13 yesterday were just babies. They were like seven months old. Uh, and I had three and a half and, and seven and six and a half year old kids. So they're all very young. And if, and we just, it was comfortable. It was nice. So we stayed for nine years, nine years passed so quickly. And then my daughter started high school. And then that's when we started thinking, how do we want our future to look like? Do we want our kids to stay in the US? And eventually, because after high school, they go to college, then they go to work. And like, that's how life usually kind of uh, works. And so we had to kind of made a conscious decision. Like if we stay, that's what are going to happen. It's not that it's a bad thing, uh, but it will make it harder for us if we want to go back. And we have our aging parents here in Israel. My father-in-law passed away last year. So, um, 
and my mother-in-law still, you know, lives very close to us. I have uh, my parents, my brother, my sister, basically. We wanted to be close to family. We wanted our kids to absorb also the Israeli culture because they, for the most of their life, they've been in the U.S. So they are more Americans than Israelis. And so we kind of decided that that was the right timing. Still, you know, uh, not for life necessarily. Uh, but but that's kind of uh, the main motivation was. Yeah, great. Crisscrossing uh, the, the cultural um, gulf, I suppose. Yeah, I understand it. And, and, and you, you're probably much more better off now that you have made that decision coming back to Israel, yeah? Yeah, I'm, I mean, uh, I'm happy that we are here. Yeah. I have a perspective of things, of living here, living in the U.S. Also in the U.S., we lived in different places. We lived in Colorado in two different places, and we also lived in Texas. So I, I think those experiences just gives you a wider perspective of life. Okay. So you look at things differently yeah. than you used to. Yeah. Interesting. So I was looking at the aspect of dealing with imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. It says that you, you want to enable women to continually tear down ceilings by challenging them to think bigger. So Limo, what are some of the things that you think are challenges for women that you have dealt with? Uh, maybe you've experienced them yourself with regards to getting out of that mindset and taking up that challenge to pass the ceilings and excel and become better. What are some of the challenges that you are seeking to address? Yeah. And by the way, it's not only for women. Yeah, I know. But I, I think know. it's more common for women, but it's not. Also, men suffer from imposter syndrome and, and, and having those limiting beliefs. So it all begins in their heads and what kind of beliefs they have on themselves, on their ability and what is attainable for them. Right. And I'm trying to break the mental barrier first. Yeah. Yeah. Because once their barrier is broken mentally, then they don't need me. They know what they need to do. And that's why I like coaching, by the way, more than mentoring. Yes. And so, so we're trying to break this barrier by asking them a lot of difficult questions, like what is holding you back? What is stopping you from doing that? Uh, what are the possibilities? So a lot of, like I'll give an example. It can be a woman that works under a manager that is not supporting her. And she thinks that that's the only attainable option for her to continue working with that manager the way she works. And, and that's it. When I try to ask questions about who else can support her in the company? What else can she do? What is within her control? Um, what kind of impact can she make? What kind of other opportunities can she, uh, even just within the company? Yeah. She starts thinking, okay, what is possible? And then she may come with different approaches to take ownership, to take responsibilities, to try to address the challenge in a different way. And um, so... That's kind of the main thing, I would say, mentally breaking the barrier and then building a plan. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, you, you talk about those questions that you would ask with regards to adopting that coaching technique. But in addition to those questions, what are some of the things that people would confess to you 
that may be considered as mental blocks, seeing that your focus starts from there, that would prevent them from getting to that better place? Yeah. So uh, when someone tells me, and I had a coach here that told me, I cannot work. So she, she's in Israel. And she said, I cannot work with whatever team that is not based in Israel. Okay. Say, why can't you? And she said, because it's not in Hebrew. And I said, it's in English. They speak English. And I say, have you ever spoke in English professionally? She said, yeah, yeah. People in Europe, yes. Uh, so, so I told her, okay, if you spoke with them, then you understand what they're talking. So she said, yes, I understand. So what is the challenge with this group? She says, well, I don't know. Their accent is kind of, you know, and so by asking those questions and what can you do, and eventually, you know, we realize that she can use AI tools for transcribing, you know, the calls like you're using, like everyone is using today yes. to help her, right? If she doesn't understand something during the call and she doesn't feel comfortable asking, she can use this transcription of the call. Yeah. So th- those are the kind of things when someone tells me I can't. Yes. I am not. It's, it immediately kind of, you know, is a red flag that this is a belief that they have, yeah. but it's not necessarily true. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Good point. And to, to sort of uh, strengthen that a bit, uh, and this might be just an, another dimension of that mental thing, how much of a role does someone who is struggling with, let's say, uh, Emotional intelligence, you know, is it is it something that creates a higher level of uh, dependency on something that maybe is not real, but they find that it's a problem, and then when they look at the level of their uh, emotional intelligence and the actual mindset, it creates a further problem. So, how much of a role does someone who is, let's say, emotionally immature? And, and, and I'm, I'm using that term loosely because I don't know if there's a scientific term to describe that. But let's say there's a low level of emotional intelligence. How much of a role does that play in further strengthening their inability to overcome the mental blocks? Yeah, so that's, that's a great question. So I actually have a coachee that we worked on something similar. Yeah. Um, so when someone, so usually emotional intelligence come into play when working with other people, because, you know, and, and I notice the level of emotional intelligence of someone, you know, I don't know them that well, right? I mean, I'm coaching someone, I don't know, but when they start telling me, oh, I cannot work with that person, or I have challenges with that person, then it kind of, you know, warrants an investigation, Right. What is making it difficult for you to work with that person? And, and you know, it was interesting. Uh, I had a session and, and someone asked me, oh, I want to know how to give feedback. Mm-hmm. And, and when, we, when we dive deeper, we realize that actually the person that he manages, the problem is not giving feedback. The problem is raising the confidence uh, of that person. Right. And, and the challenge that this manager had was that he managed everyone the same way. Mm. He just had his own style and he just used it on everyone. And that's that's a sign that you don't have a high em- emotional intelligence because you need to treat people where they're at. That's right. You need to see them. You need to understand what is holding them back. 
how they see things. So those are the things that can prevent you from becoming, a, for example, a better leader. Yeah. And for you to think that maybe you're not a good manager or uh, maybe you don't know how to give feedback. Yeah. The problem was not giving feedback. The problem was seeing what this person is struggling with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's kind of difficult to see that when you don't understand that you need to be not just a manager, but a leader. Someone who seeks development in the people that you are actually managing, because when you take care of that aspect of them, it makes your job a whole lot more easier. <laughs> so let's talk about the podcast a bit. Mm -hmm. um, is it from a woman to a leader? Yes, that's correct. It's about the podcast a bit. How did it come about? And what is the main message that you're sending through this podcast? Yeah, so it started a long time ago in my head. Ah. It took me, I had my own blocks, right? I mean, I had my own blocks to start it yeah. because I was thinking, oh, it's too complicated. It's too time consuming, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, I <laughs> decided to break that barrier and, and just do it, which I did. The idea is basically to interview women in different roles, mainly in tech, because that's the area I'm, I'm mainly focused on. And it, it serves multiple purposes. First of all, to serve as a role model, right? To, to bring a woman that is successful as a role model. Hey, get to know this woman a little bit more and understand how she got to where she is, what challenges she faced, make her human. Yes. And the second thing is obviously always focusing on something that is close to whatever woman I'm interviewing, close to her heart and talk about it. Right. And it could be like I had one session on setting goals. Um, so every session is different. One was a CEO, how she leads in uncertain times. Every everyone is different based on what they like to talk about. Right, right. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing. So, are there some names of some of the famous people that you would have interviewed on this podcast? Role models in their um, their, their areas of core competencies. So, I interviewed. Uh, I still, you know, have a long way to go. I uh, interviewed. Uh, my last interviewee was Milena Berry. She's the CEO of Power to Fly. A yeah. company that is focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, right. uh, helping companies have basically built a culture of belonging, yeah. hire and retain uh, diverse uh, talent, right? And helping diverse talent find jobs, right? Wonderful, thanks. Yeah. Great. So, tell us something in terms of the future, Limo mm -hmm. Howard. Um, what are some of the projects that you're going to be looking forward to in terms of creating a greater avenue for your passion to be heard and to impact on lives going out there? And as you said, not just women, but men as well. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so obviously I want to grow as a coach and become better and better. Um, so that's one avenue. The second one is uh, coaching groups and teams. And that's where you create a culture of inclusion, right? I mean, when you yes. coach teams. Yeah. Uh, so I plan to 
and this is more of long terms, not necessarily will happen immediately. I plan to uh, uh, get training and certification in team coaching and eventually be able to coach teams and help really. And executive coaching is another avenue, right? Um, coach people in key roles and help them make an inclusive culture in their organizations. It doesn't have to be necessarily women, it can yeah. be men as well. Exactly. Okay. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing. Um, if I may, I would suggest that you look at Red Team Coaching. Um, it is done by wbexcoaching.com, which I'm a premium member of at the current moment. And you can see them online. They are coming up on their 13th um, Worldwide Summit. It's one of the most potent team coaching modules I've ever seen. And it came out of the 9-11 scenario where these, you know, the government agencies, particularly dealing with Homeland Security and so on, they had to come up with a plan that would be a proactive plan that would deal with seeing the dangers and the threats before they actually become a reality. So that's a suggestion for you in terms of team coaching, red team coaching. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Tell us a bit about your connection with LinkedIn and personal branding. Yeah, so LinkedIn is uh, my go-to social media tool. Yeah. I started using it in 2004, so quite at the beginning, but I haven't really used it until 2010 right. when I moved to the U.S., and basically, by investing in my brand, in building a profile that reflected, you know, who I am and what my capabilities are, I was able to get jobs, basically, okay. all the time. All the time, you know, I was approached. And after the first job I got in the U.S., basically, I didn't have to search for another job again in my life. Wow. But I decided to make my life harder and started my own business, which is completely different ball game. Right now, I have to find clients and build a brand as a subject matter expert, as a coach, as a business, which is what I utilize LinkedIn for. So I post content as much as I can and I find time, but I try to be as active as possible. So people will see me who I am, you know. And they can connect with me or not, right? Based on what I post and eventually decide if they want to work with me. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing. So in terms of the people that you deal with um, you, and you use the term coachee, um, I use the term coaching partner. <laughs> mm, like that. I find it sounds more more amenable and, and sometimes it's it's easier a term to describe. I'm looking at what is happening in the world today, Limo, and I'm thinking that we need so many positive uh, pontifications, directions, people heading in, 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 in a manner that says, you know what, um, it's okay for everybody to feel what they're feeling, your story matters and that kind of thing. If you were given a megaphone and you had to advise people on a mindset that they should adopt, just to deal with the realities of what's happening in the world today, what are some of the things that you would say to them as 
an advice measure, not just for mindset, but for attitude, how they should deal and adopt and manage themselves in these times. What are some of the things that you would say to them? Uh, so always, always look at uh, uh, on, on the positive side of things, right? I mean, we tend as human beings to always look at the negative side. Yeah. What I didn't achieve, what I cannot do, what I lost, you know. So look at what you did achieve, what you can do. <laughs> so no matter how, how um, grave the situation is, look at what is good about that. Right. What did you learn from that? What can you do about it? How can you change and take control of your life? Right. Um, read, read books. Oops. Read a lot. Yes. Great source of inspiration uh, and hope. Yeah. So uh, if you talk about mindset, I can recommend the book Grit. Yeah. An excellent book. I also bought it for my daughter. Uh, so give it to your kids as well. So just the mindset is so important, right? This book talks about that potential is not enough, right? Being smart yes. uh, is not necessarily um gonna make you successful yeah. or stand out yeah. but your mindset is That's in your grit yeah. so read read books like that That's that right. can inspire you to become a, a better person to become proactive positive and make a difference yeah thanks for sharing that's wonderful i love that um sometimes in companies there is a series of communications that could all go wrong. And what I have discovered is that one of the main reasons for that is because the values of the people that are involved in the communication are not aligned. And you have here career progression, how to build a career plan and execute with your manager. Does it have to do anything with the values of the manager and the persons under the manager, which may be the main subject of this, having an alignment in values or is there just a matter of focusing on what the company or the organization wants? Is there room for the two being married together or is it just a one-way street? It's never just a one-way street, and it depends, obviously, on the situation. Yeah. But what I meant by that is basically taking charge of your career based on my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. I decided first what you want, yeah. uh, agreeing with your manager that it is something that they see attainable for you. If, you, if they don't agree, then that's a problem. <laughs> either, either they don't appreciate you enough, or maybe you have some room to grow. And once you agreed upon that, you need to carve a plan uh, with clear metrics of how are you going to get there? Right, right. Yeah. What the manager need to see from you, or maybe not just your managers, but, but others, yeah. so they can be confident you can move to the next level. Yeah. So I'm getting that you, you're saying if you're involved in an organization, and you're also looking to seek to build your career, you should find some sort of uh, harmony in terms of how these two can work together. Yeah, am I getting that? Yeah. Okay, great. So how can they do that? How can they develop that skill, that, that attitude, that mindset? Always looking 
at the other side. So we have the tendency to look at ourselves. What do we want? How we're going to get there? You know, only I, 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 I. Think about them, your manager, your company. What value can you bring? What is important to your manager? What is important to your company? What kind of success they're looking for to see? What is success to them? And by looking at them, it will help you realize what are the things that you need to do. Okay, great. Wonderful. So, um, Limo, I'm just going to look at some comments here. Let me see. Just give me a minute. Okay, great. Okay. So, a lot of support here for what you're seeing, but not really a comment per se at the moment. That's fine. We can live with that. Thank you. Share something with you. And I want you to comment on it. So let me see if I can bring it up uh, on the screen here. Here we go. Hi, my name is Limor Bergman Gross, and I am a former director of engineering, and nowadays I'm an executive coach. And if you are an engineering manager and you want to become a director of engineering, but you have come to the right place. In this circle, we're going to talk about what it means to become a director. First, what it means to be a director. What is the mindset shift that you need to do from a manager that manages individual contributors to a director of engineering that is responsible for an organization that is managing managers rather than engineers. We're also gonna talk about tactical stuff. Of how do you get there? What do you need to do in order to get there? And I know that because it wasn't easy for me. It took me some time and take into account that I was uh, a lot of times one woman surrounded by men. So I also bring that perspective of being different than anyone else. So if you want to become a director, or maybe if you are a director, but you just started out and you are not sure you're doing the right things, join me to this circle. And I'm hoping that uh, I can help you. Thank you very much. Uh, there you go, Nemo. What now I'm, you embarrassed me. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm looking at here is that you touch on two core things, right? And first of all, it was the ambition or the desire from going to manager to director. And then you went back to the fact that you had a certain experience where it was uh, basically that gender scenario that you had to deal with, with the male dominant field. What is more important for you with regards to the message that you wanna send uh, coming out of that recording? I think the most important thing is the mindset, mm -hmm. knowing what you want uh, and already operating at that level mm -hmm. or doing what you can to operate at the next level. I yeah. think this is the most important thing. The biases, uh -huh. whether you are a woman uh, in a male dominant field or maybe you are a, a person of color or you are a, you know, a Latin ex or what have you. Um, if there are biases, then the best way to address them is by finding allies, by finding people who can support you. 
and vouch for you. But I think the main thing is first mindset and being determined that that's what you want and be willing to make the effort to showcase your abilities and operate at the next level. Yeah, great. Thanks for sharing. Is there some sort of book or memoir in the making in the future? Do you see yourself putting that experience, particularly along the lines you're speaking about in, in a published uh, publication? Yes. Uh, so another thing I'm procrastinating about is writing a book, which will always uh, will also be called From a Woman to a Leader. Yeah. So I, I, I want to write a book. I just, uh, I guess, um, maybe don't know where to start or uh, uh, procrastinating a little bit about this. Yeah. So I haven't really started. Yeah. So Limo, tell me, uh, are there any challenges for people with re regards to not language, but cultural backgrounds? Uh, you spent nine years in the U.S. and then you came back to Israel. It's a different scenario, right? In terms of the culture, the things that they would do, the timings that they would do, the things they do. Um, in the U.S. it's mostly um, the cinemas, the nightclubs. And then there's the sporting events, the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, that kind of stuff. How is the contrast between, let's say, someone that is a client in North America, as opposed to someone uh, who's a coachee in Israel, in terms of the cultural differences? Is, are there going to be uh, challenges that you would face or have to deal with because of the cultural differences? I don't know, to be honest. I mean, first of all, every in coaching, every person is uh, is different. Yeah. Every person is unique yeah. and is different. Uh, I think the main, you know, if I want to grossly generalize, then people in Israel tend to be very direct and they would expect uh, the coach to be direct. Uh, people in Israel tend to be very practical and they want me to give them a handbook. <laughs> Usually that's the challenge I have. Like, teach me, tell me what to do. Give me, I want to, so they want a training. They want me to distill all the experience I have into a handbook they can take and implement. And it doesn't work that way, right? Because every person is different. Every situation is different. Um, I, I think with, with people in the U.S., um, the coaching mindset it may be easier, right? I mean, they understand that it's a process. They are more patient uh, to kind of surrender to a process uh, and not expect any immediate results necessarily. They still want to see results, but they understand that it's a, you know, it's a process that eventually they will have to make uh, their own choices and take control of their life. I cannot tell them what to do or... Uh, I mean, I can share experiences, I can support, but I cannot really give them a, a guidebook. Okay. Yeah, I understand. I would say that those are the main differences I see in the coaching world. Oh, okay. With regards to the culture. Okay, great. Yeah. So uh, let's imagine that you had the opportunity to sit down with the leaders in the world. And we are we are currently in a situation where it, it is not very friendly. I mean, I, I can speak about what's happening in Sudan. I can speak about what's happening in Russia versus Ukraine and all of that. But putting that aside, let's just say you had a room full of world leaders who are seeking solutions. 
And hopefully that would be the case at some point in time. What are some of the things that you would say to them with regards to that, that mindset you spoke about? I think one of the challenges in politics, to be honest with you, is that there are not enough women and there is too much ego. Okay. So I would tell them, put your ego aside. Wow. Now that's powerful. <laughs> and you didn't hesitate. So I know that uh, that was at the top of your heart and it's passionate. Mm -hmm. I understand that. But what are some of the guidelines that they can use to actually project that? Not just from an image perspective, but understanding that it's necessary for us to, to unite, to progress, to move on together. Yeah, because eventually the personal interests or the country or what they think about their country interest is not necessarily going to make uh, the country or the people that live there happier and more successful rather than working together with others yeah. and serving a greater purpose right. versus something very specific that they think right. will help. Yeah, yeah, great. Thanks for sharing. Now, in terms of uh, family life, um, let's say someone needs to get advice from you or coaching, let me be more specific, with regards to how they can balance family life with their career, particularly when they're ambitious and deciding, you know what, I am going from manager to engineer. But you still have to have that balance, right? Because if you're a family person, um, you can't have tunnel vision. You've got to create that balance so that you spend enough time in family and still have enough time to focus on career. How, do, how can they achieve that practically? What are some of the things that you would advise them or coach them to do? First, I would uh, try to um, help them see what the ideal situation look like. What is the, in, in their head, right? How does it look like when you reach to do to the ideal situation? Yeah. Successful in your career, you have the perfect balance. How does it look? What is balance yeah. to them? I don't know what is balance to them. I can tell you what is for me. Every person will define it differently. So first, create their own definition of success. What does it look like? Prioritizing and then realizing, okay, what is missing in your life? Yeah. What is the gap? What are the gaps between what you have today? to what you would like to have and what, what are the things that you need to do and prioritize. Uh, you know, eventually I have to take some hard calls. Uh, I, I, I took some sacrifices in my career because when I started my career, remote work was not a thing, you know? Uh, we had to go to the office. And, um, you know, my son, he's always 16. He told me one day, he almost, almost started crying. He said, you know, it was so traumatic for me that you never came to daycare to pick me up. I always saw the other moms. You never, you never came to pick me up. On, only my grandparents came. Yes. And it broke my heart. I mean, it was a decision I made back then, right? I wanted to grow my career and I sacrificed, you know, picking my kids from daycare over, you know, working later. And I made those sacrifices. Would I do it again? I think so. I don't know. I mean, nowadays it's easier, to be honest with you, because uh, the whole remote work and hybrid allows more flexibility to working parents. And when I started to work remotely in 2016, my life changed. 
I was finally able to be more present yes. in my children's life. And this is a blessing. So, but eventually, regardless, you always need to make sacrifices. You always have to give and take. You need to know what is more important. You yes. need to understand what are the core values in your life? What are the things that are non-negotiable? And what are the things that you're willing to sacrifice and balance between them? Yeah, wonderful. It's a great note to end this wonderful uh, interview and conversation on. Uh, we have had our guest, Limo Bergman-Gross, sharing with us some valuable nuggets on her desire to help people. Uh, her passion is for women, but yes, also men with regards to the right mindset. And she focused on engineering, managing, directoring, if I'm using the correct terms, but just to get a clear understanding of where her passion and the desire is for people to just simply overcome the negative mindsets and create positive opportunities for themselves by having that positive mindset that can create the positive energy that we all need. So we thank you so much. I just want to say now that I'm going to give you the opportunity to share with our audience how they can make contact with you, um, what's the most popular social site that they can get you on, and if they need for you to speak or coach, how they can make contact with you as well. Yeah, so uh, best if you want to know me a little bit more, uh, go to LinkedIn, look for Limor Bergman, you will find me. I also have a website, limorbergman.com, but the best way is LinkedIn. Because my website, to be honest, I don't invest too much time. It's, it's like a kind of, okay, <laughs> like an ID. I see it like a, an ID. Okay, it tells about me, but I'm not, I'm not focused too much about my website. Just priorities, right? What do you prioritize? I feel like social media is the right place to, sh to share your voice, to share the world who you are. And to connect okay great thank you for sharing limo so folks you have had it and i'm sure that there's some valuable nuggets that you have gotten today from limo and as we say goodbye remember our watchwords health happiness and prosperity that is what we strive here for in the breakout room and today we got a lot of happiness and ideas for prosperity from our guest Limo. So until next time, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development live in the breakout room saying so long, Godspeed, God bless, Shalom, Namaste. Bye for now.